right, everybody, welcome to Wednesday night service. Who's glad to be in the house of the Lord with us tonight? Amen. We are going to have an awesome time hearing the Word of God and worshiping and, of course, fellowshipping. It's a great night. We always love the hour of power. Amen. Let's stand up together. We are going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. And we're going to keep believing that we see this country come to Jesus. Can we get an amen tonight? All right. Let's speak these words of faith together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Give the Lord a shout of praise tonight. Amen. And you may be seated. All right. Well, Pastor Katie is at home tonight with little Sam. Little uh, The little man, he got his tonsils removed today and his adenoids, whatever those are. So all I know is they're gone. They don't exist anymore in him. So he's doing good, and he's looking forward to a week of popsicles. But, you know, praise the Lord. You know, speaking words of faith over him. And uh, also, man, a lot of stuff has got done around here this week. I was just walking around, and, uh, man, the carpets in here got cleaned and sanitized. That was a big deal. And uh, they're going to do the nursery and jam junior tomorrow. We have a projector bulb once again. That's pretty good news. All right. Amen. I was in my office and I have heat in my office again. That's another good thing. I haven't had, it, I haven't had heat for like a month in there. And I just kept, I kept showing up to work, but it was, it was freezing. I'm telling you right now, it was freezing. Uh, also, the copy machine got fixed. None of you don't care about any of this, but it's good stuff. And also some plumbing got done this week. All right. So what a week. I just realized all this like five minutes ago, all the great things that have happened this week. So praise the Lord. All right, let's get into some announcements here. Uh, first of all, want to remind you, if you haven't got one yet, you don't want to be left out. You don't want to get laughed at. You need to get your 2023 High Desert Word Center calendar. You got to get the calendar. It is the talk of the town. Everyone's talking about it. Everyone agrees. They're the best calendars on the West Coast. Susan has one back there. We got 40 more available tonight. The first Sunday they were all gone. We have 40 more available and we'll still have a few more after that. But praise the Lord. Uh, so grab a calendar, one per household. Unless you really want to, come and see me and we can work out a deal, okay? They're, uh, <laughs> get one free. Get another one free. All right. So praise the Lord. Uh, women's meeting is this Friday night at 6.30. Friday the 13th for all the ladies. It's going to be beautiful. So come on out. Mrs. Pastor's giving the word. Going to have a great time together over there in Victory Hall. All right. And then also, um, here's I'm going to pass this sign-up sheet around. Uh, Miss Cindy Grow is our missions coordinator. And uh, we are in the beginning stages of planning our summer trip to Honduras. All right. And we're really excited about this. And so right now she's starting to get the ball rolling on it because, you know, we want you to be ready if you're interested in going. So what we're passing around is an interest sign-up sheet. Uh, so if you have any interest at all, you want some information, 
sign up, and I, I will tell you, this is not signing you up to go on the trip. This is just saying you're interested, so don't be afraid. Uh, but I, I encourage you, though, if the Lord is at all speaking to your heart and just nudging you when we talk about this, sign up and, and come find out what's up. And, you know, it would be a really great opportunity for you to go. And you may think, well, what do I have to offer? I don't know what I could do. Believe me, God will use whatever gifts and talents you have on this trip. And uh, we're going with Ron and Annette Thiessen, um, who have been here a few times now. And we're going to be working in their school. And you're thinking, well, it's June. The kids don't have school. Well, their school schedule is a lot different than ours. I found out they don't start until like February or something. So they're getting ready to start school. And they'll be in the middle of their school year when we get over there. So anyway, um, but it's going to be a great, great time. And uh, again, if you have any interest at all, sign up. And we encourage you, if you don't have a passport, get the ball rolling on that. Because that does take a little bit of time. Don't be like me when I went to Nicaragua and I waited till like a month beforehand that I had to pay like triple for an expedited passport. Don't do that. It's not cool. All right. So uh, get the ball rolling on that now. And it's going to be an excellent opportunity. All right. The last thing is uh, right after service tonight, we do need a few good men to help brother Robert and the boys go take care of some tables next door for the women's meeting. And so if you have a minute, uh, run over there with the guys and we're going to get a few tables set up for the women's meeting on Friday night. Amen. All right. Who knows what time it is now? Yeah, it's happy time. Amen. Because God loves a cheerful giver. If you need an envelope, raise your hand. The ushers will get you one. We're going to look in our Bibles tonight at Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy 8. And we're going to look at verse 18 in the King James. Deuteronomy 8 and verse 18 in the King James. And I love this this verse, it's got a lot in it, but specifically about our finances. So Deuteronomy 8.18. And if you're given online, you can go to hdwc.org slash giving and uh, fill out the information there. But Deuteronomy 8 and verse 18, it says, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. And someone would think like, man, God don't care about you having wealth. Well, why would he give you the power to get it if he is against you having it? He's not against you having wealth. But look at this. Why does he want his children to have wealth? It says that he may establish his covenant, which he swore unto thy fathers as it is this day. And so when we look at this verse, it's telling us, man, God wants, he wants to give you the power to get wealth, but... The first step to that is remembering the Lord thy God. How do we remember the Lord our God? Well, there's probably a lot of ways you could do that. One way would certainly be through obeying his word. Amen. And if his word tells me to, to bring the tithe into the storehouse, to, to bring the offering into the storehouse, as I'm doing that, I'm obeying and I'm remembering the Lord my God. And he's given me the power to get wealth. And it's not so I can look really great and cool and, and, and make everybody envious of me. No, no, no. It's that he may establish his covenant. Amen. God wants his children to be blessed, but it's because he wants them to spread the gospel, to establish the covenant. Amen. And that's why God wants us to get this in our hearts. All right. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up together. And we're going to speak some words of faith over our tithes and our offerings. 
Praise God. And uh, of course, um, here in a few weeks, by the end of January, your tax giving letter from 2022 will be available. So I know some people are asking about that, but here by the end of January, those will be available to you and you can use that when you go file your taxes. And we realize uh, that's not the reason you give, but hey, it is a nice little bonus. All right. Praise God. Let's go ahead and speak these words of faith together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, binding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go. Okay, join us at the altar. and Let's praise the Lord on tonight. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Step out of the shadow. Step out of the grave, break into the wild, and don't be afraid. Run into wide open spaces, graces waiting for you. Dance like the wind has been lifted.
Thank you, Jesus. Father, we're so, we're so glad to know that you're real and that Jesus is real. And Father, we know that because you're real and the Bible's real, we know that there is a heaven that's real. And we know hell's real. And we know eternity's forever. And Lord, as we gather together tonight in your name, we thank you 
for the anointing of the Holy Ghost on our lives, on the Word of God that's taught. And Father, thank you for the grace of God on me as I deliver the Word. Lord, thank you. It's going to be accurate. It's going to be powerful. It's going to be simple so that everyone that hears can do what you said, Jesus. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. And Father, I know that lives will be changed tonight because it's not just me, but you speaking through me to help people win and not lose. Thank you, Lord, for life's change tonight. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen, amen, amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. Well, first of all, I want to show you a book that's really a life-changing book. we got lots of new books in back here, replenished our supply. This is called Following God's Plan for Your Life. Following God's Plan for Your Life. And I, I've got my original copy of this at home, and I pull this out every so often to read it. And I make notes in there and write down dates and stuff like that. And I've been, I've been using this book ever since it came out in about 1992, I think. But this here... As I preach what I preach tonight, I think you're going to want this one. This really influenced me greatly, following God's plan for your life. If you want to win, you got to be following the right plan. Wouldn't it be terrible to build a house and then find out you built on somebody else's property? And say, well, I, fi- I finished. They said, thanks for the new house. I appreciate that. You did a lot of work for nothing. Well, it could be Christians is going to find out that they did what somebody else wanted them to do all the time, ignoring their conscience for what God wanted them to do because they didn't want to hurt somebody's feeling. Or they wanted to follow some plan because it had more money, had more prestige. Well, the thing about it, I, I like what, 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 what an old woman went to my church told me back in Indiana probably 30 years ago. She said, Pastor... You've got a really good job. I said, it's not a job, it's a calling. I said, yeah, but the benefits are out of this world. <laughs> hey, man, that's always stuck with me. And you know, that's not just for preachers, that's for you. When you follow the plan of God, when you die, that's not over. That's when you step into the real, real reward system. And down here on earth, you can brag all you want to about how good your insurance is, how, how, how much money you have coming in after you retire, and things like that. You get to heaven, and you know you can be saved. You get to heaven and say, Jesus, boy, did I have the best plan they had. And I had a new car every three years, and it was paid off. And I had the I, I had the biggest, nicest house there was out of all my friends. And Jesus is going to look at the golden streets, look at you. He's going to look at the mansions and look at you. He's going to say, well, you made it. Come on in. Hey, man, those, stuff, those, those things are not going to matter. You need to follow the plan of God. And so tonight we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. And uh, I've, I've got a title for you. And, you know, as we was worshiping, I was, I was thinking about different aspects of why the Lord would have me to preach this tonight. But the uh, title is, You Will Win As Long As You Refuse to Quit. You Will Win As Long As You Refuse to Quit. And, you know... Uh, what, what, what do you like, whether you like, uh, the new speaker of the house or not, that was a man gave you an example of what it was not to quit. He fought until he won, but he believed in what he was fighting for. He believed that he had, a, that he had a calling from God or whatever he believed on that part, but he believed he was in position to help America. 
And so he didn't quit, no matter who was against him, what they said. And we as Christians have got to be that way. And you know, you might want to write this, this down if you're ever tempted, but I wrote this down as a subtitle, Backsliding Should Never Be an Option for a Christian. Backsliding should never be an option for a Christian. And I was thinking about, as, as we worship about that, I was thinking about heaven, how real it is. How many here really believe heaven's real? Well, how many here really believe hell's just as real? And that eternity has no time. It's forever and ever and ever and ever. And you can try to figure out in your head how long you think eternity is. But I, I just, I, I never try to think about that. Because eternity, God doesn't know what a million years is. He doesn't know what a trillion years is. There's no ending. You know, when did God begin? There was no beginning. He always was. Amen. And so for us, for eternity, if it's been that long, why should we ever, 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 ever let the devil try to put so much pressure on us that, oh, what's the use? Walking away. What happens if you get killed and you're backslid? Man, hell's for real. But, you know, as, as I was thinking about this, I know in my life, I, real, I realize that my life is not just my own, but there's a lot of people that I have influence over. And you do, too. You may not be a preacher. I look at Dave over there, another, another, another faithful grandpa. We've got grandkids that learn off of us. We've got our kids that are grown kids, and a lot of them think they're smarter than us, even. They may, they may have more education in some areas, but there's things that we still have, as long as we're breathing, we can help them with. And so I was thinking about that. I was talking to one of our men the other day. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus talked about, about division and strife. And he said, how can you spoil a strong man's goods unless you bind the strong man? He said, first of all, you've got to bind the strong man. And bind, that means tie him up, handcuff him, chain him. So he's no good, then he can steal his goods. And I told him, I said, you know what I've always seen in that verse there where Jesus was talking I've always seen that my, that my goods, the devil wants, is my kids and my grandkids. Wouldn't that be a terrible thing? Well, you know, your grandpa used to be a great preacher until he backslid, went back to the world. I'd be ashamed of my kids then and my grandkids. But for my grandkids to grow up and hear the good old stories the grandpa tells and then see him still living them out, that's going to have great influence. And so, you know, I just, I just said that to say this, I challenge you. If you're being hit by the devil from pressures in life to back off and quit, get out some pictures of your grandkids and look at them. Get out some pictures of your kids and look at them. And then just realize, man, you selfish fool. You're going to walk away and then take the chance of these other people never knowing what you learned. Amen. And so anyway, we're going to show you from the Word of God how to win and to never quit. Hebrews chapter 12, I'm going to read the first three verses. Wherefore, say we also are compassed about, or surrounded about, with so great a cloud or crowd of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, not ask God to take the weights off, but us lay aside every weight, Pause, i got to stop and say something, man. You know, when I see the goofball stuff that some of you put on Facebook, you repost other people's goofy stuff, it's totally, totally, totally non-scriptural to put that goofy prayer on there. God, come through my house and take away everything that doesn't belong and cleanse my house and take this off of me and take that. 
He's never, ever, ever said that's what he would do. He told you to do it. Amen. That's some goofy religious prayer that probably somebody wasn't even born again that wrote it. Or somebody that's saved but knows really nothing about the Bible. Amen. You know, you think about, oh, I've got to get back. But, you know, I'm a Bible teacher. James 4, 7 says, you submit to God, you resist the devil. You resist the devil. You resist the devil to flee from you. Jesus said, you bind the devil on earth. Amen. He said in Ephesians 4, 27, you neither give place to the devil. Jesus already defeated Satan and broke his authority over mankind. And then Jesus said, all authority is given to me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore. You preach the gospel. You cast out demons. That's what Jesus said. And so we as Christians, if we're going to be strong, powerful Christians, we've got to recognize that we've got to stay in the race and we've got to do something about what's going on. Amen. Jesus already did it all. He's seated at the right hand of the Father making intercessions so we don't quit. Woo! Glory to God. I'm glad somebody got something out of that, about three of you. That is really good. Okay. And so he says, says, you lay aside every weight, and you lay aside the sin, which does so easily beset us. Man, i, I got to go one more time. <laughs> Brother Hagin, you know, we really appreciate Brother Hagin. And I remember one time when he was pastored, he told a story. He said, he said, he was down, he's down in Texas, and I guess snuff used to be a pretty big thing. People chewed snuff. I don't know what it is, but I never did it. <laughs> but anyway, he said, people at his altar, they were praying, and this, this old woman kept saying, Oh Lord, take that old snuff away. I don't want it. And a little bit later walked past and she, Oh Lord, take that old snuff away. And Brother Hagin would walk around praying and watch people, Oh Lord, take that old snuff away. Take that snuff. I don't want it. And Jesus tapped her on her shoulder and said, God's not going to take that snuff. He don't dip. <laughs> he don't want your snuff. And so we have to realize if we got something that's got a stronghold on us, we ourselves have to discipline ourselves with the help of the Holy Ghost to say, no, in the name of Jesus, I'm not doing that anymore. Lord, I want to thank you that the power of the devil has broken over my life. I've given my heart to you, my life to you. You told me to resist the devil and addictions come to the devil. So I'm telling you, devil, right now, in Jesus' name, I don't want your addiction to porn, to narcotics, to alcohol, or one of the worst ones, to gossip. There's seven things the Lord hates, and one of the biggest, he says, is somebody that sows discord among the brethren. Amen. And so there's things you have to do. If you're waiting on God to do it, then you're waiting in the wrong arena. Amen. Without faith, it's possible to please God. It takes faith. It takes faith to get delivered. You've got to do something. And can I tell you something? Oh, I'll get ahead of myself with the sermon. Uh, you're in church tonight, there's people watching right now, but i tell you what, people that don't consistently go to a good church more than one service a week and sit under the word, under the anointing, they're never going to have faith to get delivered. You don't get, you don't get delivered, get 1,000 likes on Facebook. You don't get delivered of, I'll, I'll bet nobody else will post this, but I got three, three or four friends, they'll probably post it, but nobody else will, I'll see who my friends are. Well, I got a friend still posted to a brother. His name's Jesus. And then, and then the word of God says that, that he called Abraham his friend. 
Well, I'll tell you what, I'm living a faith life like Abraham lived. I'm not Abraham, but I'm doing what God wants me to do the best I know how, and I'm God's friend. Amen, so I don't care if anybody repost me or not, I know that God's got me on his list. Woo! Glory to God, somebody shout. All right. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easy beset us, and let us, let us, not God, let us run with patience the race. That's our Christian life, God's plan that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, not looking unto social media, not looking unto how many people approve of what you're doing, but looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That means the one that started our faith walk when we ask him into our heart and the one that is going to finish our faith walk if we let him. And so as we're running our race, we've got to recognize that this thing got started with Jesus. And we've got to live it with Jesus. The only way we're going to finish it is to stick with Jesus. The same Jesus that saved us is the same Jesus that will strengthen us, is the same Jesus that will help us when we want to quit to keep on going. It says, who for the joy that was set before him, that means he saw the goal. What he saw wasn't too pleasant to look at in the flesh. He saw the cross. He saw the beaten. He saw being separated from his father. He'd never been separated from God. As, as you read the word of God, you find out that Jesus always was. He was standing beside the father when he created everything. And so he had never, ever, 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 ever been separated from God. And so he saw he's going to become separated from God for three days. He took our punishment, our judgment for three days, but he knew the third day was coming. He was going to rise, and the joy he saw, he looked out there. He saw every one of your faces. He saw my face, and he saw that we were going to be in that horrible place called hell forever if he didn't go. So the joy he saw, he saw the race he had to run, but then he saw the joy, I'm not staying. But if I don't go for three days, they'll have to. Wow, think about that. And so I know that for me, the joy I see, and to be honest, I went through a really, really, really horrible thing four years ago when I had blood cancer, heart attack, and stuff like that. And I would have gladly just said, Jesus, I'm just ready to come to heaven right now. I'm done. But you know what I saw? And this, 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 this is the honest truth. I saw my wife's face. I saw all my children's faces. I saw I saw their spouses. I saw my sons-in-laws, my daughter-in-laws, and I, and I, got, I, I went several times. I go down through the line. And I start seeing my grandchildren's face one by one. I talk about them. I said, Jesus, I want to thank you that I'm healed, and these kids are never, and my kids are never, and my wife's never got to come into church and somebody pat her on the shoulder and tell her what a wonderful husband she had. I said, that's never going to happen, Jesus. Because I'm going to finish my race. I know where this attack came from. I know who my healer is. And the horrors are what it looked like going through it. That would have been enough to quit for. But the joy I saw was these people that I love so much. And I saw a lot of your faces too, by the way. Those people I love and said, Lord, I'm going to stay and I'm going to help them all. I'm going to do all I can do. You said I'm saying. You've got to have something in front of you to make you want to win. And it can't just be money. You know, I think I think about what I heard a preacher say years ago when I was learning how to preach funerals. I'm glad that Pastor Dave does them now. But anyway, I do them for special people that want me to. 
But the thing is, I never, I'll never forget what this preacher said. He said, he said, I've done a lot of, a lot of funerals, an older, older pastor out of Chicago. They said, I've done a lot of funerals. And this is where they did all the cremation stuff. Everybody got the casket back then, got to go get buried. He said, he said, I followed a lot of hearses to the graveyard, but I've never seen an American van lines going there taking their stuff with them because you can't take it. All the stuff stays. The only thing you get to take to heaven is souls, people that you've influenced. When you get to heaven, God's going to reward us with, his, with what he calls a soul winner's crown. That's what God gives us is a soul winner's crown. And you know, when we get to heaven, we don't care about the fancy clothes. Man, we're going to get a robe of righteousness. Amen. We're going to, we're going to be clothed in white linen. Jesus is going to give us all the same clothes. <laughs> Glory to God. Man, listen to what I'm saying. You've got to have something before you to make you not want to quit. It says Jesus finished because he had the joy in front of what he saw. He saw the faces of the human race. That would not have to go to hell because of what he was going to do. He was going to get him to heaven. Okay. And then it says, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He's at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured this contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied at fate in your minds. At fate in your minds. So lest you be wearied at fate in your minds. And so we know that Jesus is our example. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. So I'm going to go down through this and look at a few things to help you see what to do so you can live long and live strong and be able to finish your race and know that you did what God wanted you to do. How, how many... What to do the, well, it was actually Frank Sinatra and Elvis Presley both singing, I think. They had a song they sang, I did it my way, and all those different words where they were, and I did it my way. Well, I was reading Proverbs this week. It says, the way that seemed right to a man, but then there are ever the ways of death. And so I tell you what, I'm not going to do it my way. If I would have done it my way, I would have stayed in trucking years ago and got my full teacher's benefit instead of a partial because I got out just a few years before I would have had the whole thing because Jesus wanted me to walk away and be a full-time pastor. That would have been my way. And I had a lot of family members. I, my dad was a good man, tired teamster truck driver, and uncles, a lot of them like that. And believe me, I endured some contradiction of people against myself when they saw how stupid Bernie is. Look at him. Just got that X amount of years to go. Look at him, what he's doing now. He's out there begging for money. He's one of them preachers. So we all face some things to follow the plan of God. You know, that's, that's just the way it goes. People do not understand you when you follow God all the way and follow God's plan because there's a way that people think you ought to do things. But then God calls you and anoints you to do what he wants you to do. Amen. And so look at this first part. Uh, wherefore, verse 1, we also are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. That says, wherefore? Well, that's a conjunction, and that's connected to chapter 11. Chapter 11, uh, they did, this is just a letter. Man put the uh, chapter numbers and verses just for reference points so you can go and find things. But this is still part of chapter 11, and we call chapter 11 the Hall of Fame chapter for the faith heroes. It says, wherefore... Uh, we are we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Well, we're surrounded in the spirit by these faith heroes from heaven, and then also 
I know that for myself, I picture Grandma Price in heaven. Grandma Price be 123 years old as of January the 20th, the, the 6th. My grandma was born on January the 6th, 1900. And grandma was the one that took me to the Baptist church faithfully until I got it. Grandma's the one that took all the grandkids that would go to church. Grandma's the one that a lot of people made fun of. They made fun of grandma because she was a holy grandma. She was the mercy grandma. She said mercy all the time. Man, it's all the heathen in our family. You know why grandma's own oh, mercy, mercy, oh mercy. You know, I'm so grateful there's power in words because grandma and her words had a lot of mercy. I mean, you know, the, the heathen that used to live in this body was pronounced dead at 16 years old at a drunken accident. And the heathen in this body was the drunk that caused the accident at 16 years old. And later on in life, as I was praying about, Lord, 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 you got me out of that. He said, Grandma was praying. I thought, glory to God. She might, have been, she might not have been a tongue talker, but she knew Jesus. And she raised me up. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. And so I, I'm telling you, there's people in heaven you know. You've got friends. You've got loved ones. They're in heavens. And, 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 and they're looking down at us. And we have to understand what Paul's talking about here. The Roman Olympics were a big thing back then. And so the example he was giving these people here about, about running the race and everything was like the Olympics because they could identify with that. You know, a lot of times we give examples of things that people can understand. And so he, he, he equated the physical race of people running in the Olympics to the spiritual race of us running the life, race of life, doing what God wants us to do. And so uh, another translation says that the great cloud of witnesses from the grandstands of heaven are looking over. The grandstands are heaven. There's people up there watching over to see what you're doing. And you know what? They really don't care that you got a new job. They really don't care about that fancy car you're driving or junk or whatever you're driving. They care about one thing because they're up there. They see what's real. They care about when you walk with Jesus. They care about when you make decisions that are pleasing to Jesus, so you can do better for Jesus. And that's what, that's what they're doing. They're cheering you on from heaven because they're watching what you're doing because they've already done it and they're there now. And so it says we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. And so it says then, let us lay aside every weight. Now listen, this, this is going to help you. Let us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which just easily ensnare us and let us run with perseverance the particular race that is set before us. I read, I read, I read something a little more uh, in line with the original language. The particular race that is set before us. And so, in Paul compared our lives, these Olympic runners, he says, lay aside the weights. It's the day. Uh, I was thinking about lay aside the weights. I was thinking, there's a lot of things I can say, but I got to thinking. I've never used these, but Annie, my daughter, when she moved, she left some little things called ankle weights. And she used to do her little running stuff with those little weights on. And it made her harder to run. But I said about what Paul said. Maybe these Olympic guys did that too. They put these ankle weights on to practice with. But I was thinking about runners today. Now listen to this. He said, lay aside every weight. That, that practicing with that extra resistance is one thing. 
If you're out there running to win, that's another thing. You better take them off. You know, that wouldn't be, that, that wouldn't be fair at all, no matter how good a runner you are, if they made you wear weights and the other people were free. So in your Christian walk, it's one thing if you're a non-believer and a lot of these goofy things people do when they do, but when you want spiritual strength to win, you better take the weights off. And you know, some of the weights that I, I see, and the, the obvious is all the social media and the games. How does faith come? Okay, if you're so busy playing goofy games all the time, and then we'll be having a service, and say, okay, right, how many here can tell me what First Peter 2.24 says? And maybe two people hold their hands up. And then I've, I've never played, I've never, ever, ever played a game on my phone or any computer or anything. I don't know about that stuff. I just know people do. And I bet you if I said, well, how many can tell me who the cornball champion of the world is right now? Somebody said, well, I don't know. I, I got 200 cornballs today. I'm working to be the cornball champion. Where you goofball, you're going to be the loser. Hey, man, you know what that's called? It's called a weight. But you know some weights that are just that that, that maybe not so obvious to you. I, I I'm a reader, and about anything you give me, I'll read it. I I mean I think about we was at Valley Forge a little over a month ago, Valley Forge, Pennsylvania, George George Washington's place where he stayed for a season during the Revolutionary War, and there are several buildings there, and then there's the house that George Washington actually lived in with the original furniture still there. And, of course, you go around stuff like that. They've got plaques everywhere telling you the history, what all happened. And we was up there. There's little old, one of the places the men lived in. Anyway, that's way up high on a hill. And there's the Delaware River way down there. And we're way up looking down at that river there. And there's stuff all over there about how many British soldiers were here, how many British soldiers were here, where they crossed at, how they did it, and where all these guns were. And I'm just reading everything. And Mrs. Pastor, Joe, and... Rest of them, they're walking way down here because I'm just, that's the way I am everywhere I go. I, I, I read every line. I'm a detailed person. I do that. Well, anyway, years ago, some relatives put me on a, 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 a mailing list for this really, really good magazine. Nothing wrong with it at all. Just good American stories, humor, personal things, things like that. And I, I love to read stuff. So when they sent that to me, I read it one day. I realized, man, I spent the whole day reading every story of that magazine. So after that, when they came, I never read another one. And they sent those to me for two or three years. I th- thought, man, I hope they never asked me about it, how I'm liking those. Because I have to tell them they never did ask me. And finally, after about three years, the subscription ran out. But I realized if I read that good magazine, nothing wrong with it. But it was called a wait. Out of those good, humorous stories, that down-home that down-home humor, that's in the same season my son David got, got leukemia. Faith didn't come by reading these good, true stories. Faith cometh by hearing the Word of God. And so in my spiritual race, I would have had no faith to get this boy healed. Now think about your lives. See, he said, you lay aside every weight. You have to determine in your lives, is there some TV show that's got you hooked? Where you have to watch it every week. You just cannot wait till Tuesday night. Can't wait till Tuesday night. Here it is again. Woo! No time for the Bible this week. But time to watch a bunch of goofy people get up there and show their ugly faces. (laughs) And sing out of tune. Or dance half naked. 
Well, I'll tell you what, sometimes it'd be fun if you get to be up here, the faces I've said right now, some reactions I'm getting. You know, I, 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 if I were a card player, I'd say, I'd read you like a poker hand. <laughs> Amen. But no, this, this is for real. This is for real. You know, he said, lay aside every weight. See, these, a lot of these things, they're not sin. They're just time stealers. They're energy stealers. They take your strength. They take your time. And then, uh, when we, like I said, I'll say it again. Sometimes, say, how many know where Romans ten seventeen is? How many can tell me who won the, who won the boogie woogie this week? <laughs> Amen. And then look at this next thing. It says, and the sin, which just seems to be said, is so, so the weights are time stealers, but then the sin, it says that it snares you, are different than weights. They slow you, weights, weights slow you down, but sin stops you. There's difference between slowed down and totally stopped it out of the race. Uh, Lord told me years ago, sin is a blessing blocker. It'll stop you in your tracks. Uh, if you promise not to laugh, I'll, I'll tell you something that happened to me one time about looking, looking at this, running this race. I, I had to go for, every year I had to go for a treadmill test after the heart thing I had. I had to run on a treadmill. And they call it a treadmill stress test. And this particular day, I had a belt that didn't hold my pants real good and I thought it did. And so I'm on, Mr. Pastor, I can't look at you if you're going to laugh. I'm not, I'm not telling this for funny. I'm telling you for an example. Cause it said, get rid of the sin cause it'll ensnare you. And you, I see it snared. I see somebody getting their legs tied up or they can't run. And I found out how that works. Had some young nurse about Jocelyn's age. I'm looking at Jocelyn over there. She's laughing. So I'm thinking, man, I'm glad that wasn't Jocelyn. And so I want to try this, not tell this not to be funny. And so I'm running this treadmill and got this young nurse over there. I got all these wires all over me. She's watching her screens and run this treadmill. And I felt my pants go down just a little bit. And I got to hold on to this thing because it's going fast. I can't stop because if it stops, then you, the whole system, you're done. And I had to pass the test. And so I'm running. And I thought, oh, man, I can't let loose because of, man. And so I just, as nice as I could, I was embarrassed. And I just asked the girl, I said, can you, can you do something with my belt? I said, my pants are falling. And the girl... <laughs> And so she tried to a little bit, and I was running. She said, we're going to speed it up. And I said, oh, man. I said, hey, hey, can you gra- grab my pants, grab my pants? And my pants fell down. So, I, I mean, I was in trouble because the thing's still going about 100 miles an hour. And when it, my, they fell down, it flipped me up in the air. And there's a wastebasket over here. I landed in the wastebasket, sitting in the wastebasket. And my leg was all really, really, that's, that track is heavy. And I'm all bloody, and I'm bruised, and I messed up, I messed up, and guess what? I was out of the race. And I felt so sorry for her. I was praying for her, because I felt sorry for her. Because she had to see this young man <laughs> laying there with his feet sticking up out of the wastebasket. And blood all over his leg. That's as far as I go. But no, the whole story was this. That's what he said, sin. 
that will ensnare you. I found out that when your legs are tied up at the ankles, you don't run. And that's what he said. He said, you get rid of the sin. And so just think about this. If you've ever, ever, ever got hooked up with something you shouldn't have been, you lost the anointing in your life, the grace of God in your life, and found out that, man, nothing's going right anymore, my prayers aren't being answered, you know what? You got ensnared. Amen. Now erase that picture of your pastor out of your minds now. And just just get a picture of somebody else that they couldn't run the race anymore because their ankles were tied together. And think about your life. You can't run your race if you're sitting in the wastebasket with your pants down. Okay. And so anyway, that's what sin will do in your spiritual race. So then he says, let us run our race with patience. The particular race that's set before us. And so what that means is this. God, now listen to this. God has a, Mr. Pastor, quit laughing. Stop it. I'm not looking at her. Oh, I'm not looking at Jocelyn either. Uh, okay, I'm not, I'm not looking at anybody. <laughs> God has a plan and purpose for every one of us. Say, God has a plan for me. God has a purpose for me. I'm not just a special person, but he has a special plan for my life. Okay, now this plan is called living in the perfect will of God. Have you ever heard anybody say the perfect will of God? Well, that's what he said here, rub with patience the particular race he has set before you. And so that's the perfect will of God. Our spiritual race is a marathon not a 60-yard dash. It's a marathon. That means it goes, it goes, it goes, it goes. There's going to be different seasons of it. So look at, look at verse 2. He says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And so some legs of our race, of our life, of our race, go pretty smooth. And sometimes we get winded and hurt and want to lay down and quit. And, you know, I think about marathon races. If you ever watch one of them, they got people all, all along the ways there, man. They're, they're doing their stuff, man. They're coming along. As they come past, man, if there's family members or friends, they're cheering them on. Come on, Dave. Come on, Dave. Come on, Dave. Throwing water at him, getting a little sip. He's going, come on, Dave. Go, go, go. Maybe a pat on the back and just go, Dave. And, man, just that little refresher, that encouragement, that little refresher, all of a sudden, whew, second wind. Man, he picks it up. He's ready to go again. You know what? In your marathon race, that's like you coming to church. You need the spiritual cheerleaders that's in your congregation. You need to have those people in the church that say, Fiona, come on, Fiona, it's good to have you back in here, man. We're glad you got free from that job up there. You're here now. Fiona, come on. And she's thinking, boy, I needed that. I needed that. You know what? That's that person running the race that's getting tired, and then they got that. Then you, Barbara, Barbara, come on, Barbara, you can do it, get up, get up, come on, Barbara, go, 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 girl. And then you need, then you need your spiritual leaders, your pastor coaches, that you come in, and then what am I doing right now? I'm taking you through some exercises. I'm getting your spiritual muscles strengthened. I'm getting you help right now. And it's just like when you're running, 
or the other sport, you got the people that are the traders, the coaches, they watch you. And they tell you, you know what you're doing wrong? Man, you're leading with your right foot. That's throwing you off every time, man. You're got, you're got to take off and get that left foot going and use that left foot too. And there's many times in this congregation, when I've been talking with different ones of you about things you were going through, health things, financial things, and then you say something, something that, uh, is way, way out of whack with the Word of God. Like, you know what? We just never have enough. And we've always tried to tithe. And then, if you're somebody I know that you received from me, I'll say, you know what? Stop. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty three, you have what you say. Did you hear what you just said? You just said, you'll never have enough. You just said you tried to tithe. Well, can I help you with something? Yeah, pastor, what? Well, number one, start saying, my God supplies all of my needs. I've always got more than enough. And number two, you don't try to tithe, you tithe. Quit trying, just do it. Things like that. Or somebody says, you know what, Pastor? That sickness hits me every year about this time. I always get it. And then, as your coach, as your pastor, I say, you know what? Why don't you start saying, I used to always get it. But now that I have the Word of God working in my life, now that I understand how faith works, the anointing God's working in me, at the first sight of attack, I say, no devil, you're not putting it on me. In Jesus' name, get out of here. Thank you, Lord, I'm healed. Amen. I'm talking about running your race. It says run your race with patience. And so run your race with patience, run the particular course of your race. How many believe the Bible? Okay. Does the Bible say not forsaking the assembly of the saints? Does the Bible not say that God put pastors in the church to teach you? Et cetera, et cetera. And does it say how good and pleasant it is for brethren to live together in unity? So there's enough things in there that tells me that every Christian has a church on route in their race. As you're running, as the laps we're doing, as a, if you're lapping on a track, there's going to be on that track somewhere along that track, there's going to be the church. Got to be a pit stop at the church. Pit stop at the church. A pit stop at the church. If you don't, if you don't make that lap in your race, how can you win? How can you be strengthened? Amen. And so, uh, you, and then also, looking unto Jesus, the author and finish of your faith, years ago the Lord made this statement to me, and it's always stuck with me, because I, I, I'd hear people say all the time, well, I'm keeping my eyes on Jesus. Well, do you not know that in John chapter 1, it says, the beginning was the Word, words with God, the Word was God, and the Word became flesh, dwelt among us. In Revelation chapter 19, it says, His name is called the Word of God. Jesus and his word are one and the same. It's impossible to keep your eyes on Jesus if you never read your Bible. And so the Lord made this statement to me, to keep my eyes on Jesus is to keep my eyes on the word. To keep my eyes on the word is to keep my eyes on Jesus. And so he says, look into Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And so I wrote this down like this. I want to read what I wrote this afternoon. And so you must continually find Bible verses to speak out loud. That's how you keep your eyes on Jesus. You must continue to find Bible verses to speak out loud because number one, you need to use them in your prayer closet when talking to Jesus. He said, put me in remembrance of my word. And so you need to pray the word. You need to pray the answer, not the problem. Anybody can whine. 
but not very many people know how to pray in faith. You can whine to him, help, 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 help. And Jesus said, I sent you help already. It's called a pastor. It's called a Bible. It's called church. He said, use it. And so you need to be able to have verses you can talk to Jesus about. And then also you need to use these verses as the sword of the Spirit to keep Satan in his place, which is this, silent and under your feet. I like that. When I wrote that down this afternoon, I thought, man, that's a good one. Hang on to that. You use these verses as you're running your race, and things come like money problems, family problems, laid off, job problems, whatever hits you, you need to look to Jesus, find out what his word says, and speak it to him. And I like that. That is the soul of the Spirit to keep Satan in his place. What's his place? Silent and under your feet. Silent and under your feet. That's where you need to keep him with the word of God. And so the last verse, verse 3, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. So always remember, Jesus already passed every test. As long as we look to him and keep running our race, say no to sin, we win. Keep looking to him by looking to his word. Say no to sin and win. Amen. Well, that's it. Chuck, that's all I know to do. Praise God, got double thumbs up from Chuck. All right, let's stand. Amen. Thank you, Raymond. That book back there, I want to remind you of that book because it's things like that that helped me stay in training for my race called Following God's Plan for Your Life. Amen. And you know, in, in things like this, and you know, I, I didn't have those notes there about the local church, God just had to start talking about it. But in thinking about that, I think about us being here tonight. This is like running your race and getting go back to the gym, get refreshers. And we got hands, we got anointing. And so, if you've been getting weary in your race, and you need a little booster shot, then we're up here to help you. We'll pray for you. And don't let the devil hammer your mind. He's the one that sees the influence you have. You may think, nobody really listens to me, nobody cares about me. I tell you, you'd be surprised how many people you don't even know that respect you because you're a believer. And they're looking at you, and the devil's the one that makes you think you're a loser to get out of the race. And so if you need prayer, let us pray for you. We'll get the devil off your off your back, and you'll be able to be refreshed and leave out everything. Woo! Glory to God, I'm ready for another lap. All right. Amen. So that's where we are. So if you need prayer, come on up here. Let my heart want for nothing but you, just you. Let my heart want for nothing but you, just you. The riches of this world could never satisfy. Let my heart want for only you. Let my heart want for nothing but you. 
the Lord. Well, who had a good time tonight? Amen. We're going to pray over our minds to get rid of any visuals that shouldn't be in there, even though I, I've heard that story, but it, yeah, it just hit different this time. I don't know what to say about that. But, all right. Praise the Lord. <laughs> He's my dad. He's my dad. So, uh, wow. All right. Let's go ahead. We're going to close out in prayer tonight. <laughs> wow. Did you drink a cappuccino or something before church? Like what happened to you? <laughs> He's running his race. All right. Well, praise the Lord. Um, oh, yeah. Hey, uh, we need a few good men to help us uh, with the tables next door for just a few minutes. Get ready for the women's meeting on Friday night. And then, of course, uh, Sunday is going to be an awesome service together. So be here Sunday. It's going to be great. Amen. All right. Let's go ahead and close out in prayer tonight. And then we will do our Barstow Faith Confession. Amen. 
Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, so much for everything we've seen in the Word of God tonight, Lord. And we are uh, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, Lord. And we thank you that we aren't going to quit, Lord. We're, our eyes are on you, and we are using you as our example. If you could endure the cross, Lord, we can endure anything that's going on in this life and always come through victorious. We love you and we praise you. Use us this week to be the light of the world and show the love of Jesus every where we go. We praise you tonight and we thank you in Jesus name. Everybody said, amen. All right. Let's speak some faith over Barstow. Amen. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you Sunday.